If you've been listening to the show for the past six months, you've been hearing me talk about a personal project I'm doing that I was going to launch on Kickstarter called the Drifting Moon Tarot. It's a tarot deck and it is live on Kickstarter right now. It is currently up and I just wanted to make that announcement. A tarot deck is a deck of cards that each card has a different theme. And my job as an illustrator was to figure out the stories and the symbols and the meanings behind these cards and the different themes. And so it was a really fun, almost like a narrative kind of project, but applying it to a deck of cards. And so I'd love for you guys to go check those out on Kickstarter. We do have a link in the show notes here on this episode, and you could also go to Kickstarter and just look up Drifting Moon Tarot. As you know, us here at Three Point Perspective, we are very big on artists making projects that they are passionate about. And the only way these projects work is if you guys support them. We love the idea of taking a little bit of power away from the big companies and and giving it back to the artists. And that's what these things are. That's what this project is for me. It took the last six months off of commercial work just to do this project. Project. And uh, so I would love to ask for your support and your help. And uh, if you like the project, share it around. I would really, really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Three Point Perspective, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Lee White. And well, Terry couldn't join us today. He's on assignment. But today we are interviewing Kazoo Kibuishi creator of the Amulet series, uh, creator of Flight, editor of Flight, um, creator of Copper, Daisy Cutter, and, Daisy Copper Cutter, and Harry Bold Potter. City Productions, Harry Potter covers, right? <laughs> like, this so dude much. has done a lot. Yeah, and, and this was one of those, we go way back, our paths cross like 20 years ago, all of us. Um, I never met you though, but I, I met Kazoo and Kazoo knew you right. and he knew me. Um, but um, it was just kind of cool to catch up with them. I mean, we see each other every once in a while, he and I, but you haven't seen him in forever, right? Yeah, it's been a long time, about 10 years. Yeah, so there's there's history there, but then this guy is, if you've never seen an interview with him or if you haven't read his work, this guy really understands the creative process and, and not just the process, but the whole thinking behind it and the lifestyle around it. And um, one of the things that I love that he gets into is you got to do or, or you do what you do, right? <laughs> like if you're doing something and you post it online or you paid for it, then that's going to be something that a calling card for you. And if you don't want to do those kinds of things, then don't do them. But if you do want to do them, yeah, it seems, seems it's so fairly simple. obvious, but, <laughs> but, but he's right. You know, we get a lot of questions about, oh, should I take this job? Should I not take this job? And, um, you know, he knows who he is and he takes the things that, that points him in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And, um, the other sense I get from him, which is, you know, don't get it from everybody. I mean, we have a lot of successful people on here. Um, but he's just a smart guy. He's a, he's a guy yeah. when we start interviewing, I think to myself, yeah, he's way smarter than me. I just, I even just with it. half a brain, right? Yeah, even yeah, <laughs> his his he had a uh, a medical thing happen, which we're going to talk about in the uh, yeah. in the pot in the interview. But yeah, even his half brain is more than I got. Right. Yeah, right. he's a smart guy. So don't beat yourself up too bad. I don't. Know. I got a quarter brain. I do the best <laughs> I can with it. Yeah. Same here. Same here. All right, let's get right down into it. Kazoo, so good to see you. Uh, you are in San Antonio now. 
Um, tell us, catch us up. What have you been up to since the, you know, the pandemic started? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Since the pandemic started, I, um, you know, I I had to shift gears like everybody Mm -hmm. else. Um, uh, I was, you know, I was friends with a lot of people in emergency management up Mm -hmm. in Washington state, uh, where I lived, um, Mm -hmm. prior to here. And so I, um, I actually, I did a, I did a PSA for the national guard. Um, I was just trying to do my best to help people deal with everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, mostly trying to calm anxieties Mm -hmm. and calm nerves. Cause I thought that that was probably going to be the biggest problem more than the virus itself. Mm -hmm. I was more, um, I was more concerned about how people would react to the, the, the virus and everything that was happening. Um, so I tried to do my best to keep things calm. I've been volunteering a lot of time in classrooms. I've actually stopped, uh, accepting honorariums for the past two, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been donating my time back in, in exchange for them purchasing books. Actually, I asked mm-hmm. them just purchase books for your students. Mm-hmm. and give them to the students and that will be the honorarium. And so that's I've been awesome. doing that. I've been doing that for the last couple of years. Um, and that's gone over pretty well. Uh, so I, I don't know. And just doing little worksheets and things for teachers and parents who are having a hard time uh, homeschooling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, Amy and I are kind of used to doing kind of hybrid learning, you know, for years we've been doing a little bit of that anyway. So for mm-hmm. us, it wasn't a huge shift. Um, but I could tell for a lot of parents, it was a real challenge. Um, yeah. so I just tried to, to get my stuff out there. I, I've been working on the book on the last amulet book. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't going to push it out because I, I did notice that in the publishing world, um, there was a bit of a traffic jam. There was a log jam mm-hmm. of books and, and just logistics. Mm-hmm. It seemed to be a big issue during all the, during this time. So I was not in a hurry to push more books out. I actually just slowed it down a bit, spent a lot more time on uh, helping where I can mm-hmm. uh, and trying to make this last book uh, worth the wait. Cool. So tell us like this last book, number nine of Amulet, it's going to wrap up the whole series, right? Yeah, I hope so. You hope so, <laughs> but you're leaving the door open. It could, there could be a 10 if, if you don't quite do it. Uh, there won't be a 10. Okay. But I have not ruled out a sequel series and I uh, actually, wow. I've already, I already have it in mind. So it's, it's already, it's already there. <laughs> so is, is this, <laughs> but there's so uh, much stuff I, I have to do before I get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to, I'm curious, um, you, you've been doing Amulet now for 15 years something like that when did when was the first book 2005 Close to it um yeah 2006 is when i i think signed a contract to do it or 0506 okay. is when i signed my contract the first book came mm-hmm. out in 08 mm-hmm. um it came out the same month as iron man so mm-hmm. it started it's like it's amulet is exactly as old as the Marvel universe. Okay. Um, as the, as the MCU, <laughs> the, the cinematic universe, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, the MCU, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, and, um, yeah, I've been doing it, uh, doing it ever since. Uh, I, I didn't think it was going to be this long. Um, right. But it turned into this thing. Um, it's mon- so I'm, it's a monster. I'm, I'm curious, like that first book you did compared to book nine, what have you learned about making graphic novels? 
Oh my goodness. How, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what, do you, what do you want to we'll start? We'll just sit back. You just talk <laughs> for the next hour. What, what's the, what's the biggest a... takeaway? The big takeaway. Um, is it oh, workflow? Is it storytelling? Man. I mean, I'm sure there's all, there's you know, all kinds of nuggets. There, there are a lot. And you know, the first thing that always comes to mind is pace. Mm. Is, is, is learning the pace of not your, just your work, but how your work is consumed and mm-hmm. processed. And, you know, one thing I learned from working on the flight anthology concurrent with Amulet at the early stages of Amulet, I was doing two flight anthologies and one Amulet book a year. Mm-hmm. And I did that for like five years. Right. And it was, it was a bit much. Um, and one thing I learned um, from that was that my pace was too fast. Mm-hmm. And that pace, you know, ended up like physically hurting me, but Mm -hmm. also it did not, it did not, um, allow the audience time Mm -hmm. to get on board. Mm -hmm. And so like with flight, especially we basically, we were so far ahead of the game. In my Mm -hmm. opinion, we were so, we were like, as Scott McLeod was saying, we were the future and it did Mm -hmm. turn to be, turn out to be fairly prescient. I think if you consider Mm -hmm. the lineup of talent that was in there. They did become mm-hmm. the industry as we we know it today, but we were going, we were getting too eager and mm-hmm. we, we pushed so fast that the, the, the audience just didn't understand <laughs> what they were getting. It was just like only the people who made the content understood what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And so it became an insider book. Like it became a, you know, um, it was like, you know, Jake, Jake Lee, you know, you remember when we were uh, web guys, Mm-hmm. You know, it was that crew, it was that group of people and that bubble that we had. We knew what was hot and what was going to be great, but mm-hmm. the world still hadn't processed it. And so the thing that I learned the most is learning to relate what we do in our bubble, in our sphere, mm-hmm. to the world at large. And how do they process what we do and how do they use it in their day-to-day lives? Mm-hmm. Because you, know, you, yeah. you you kind of think like oh shoot I and and I think social media feeds into this but it's like I haven't made anything or put out anything in in the last three months you know people are just like what are they gonna <laughs> what are they gonna think I'm forgotten when a three months goes by like that in the, in the eyes of a consumer in the in the mind of consumer and and uh, really it's like it's like can they handle, like you're saying, anything more than what a year apart? <laughs> you know, if it's a if it's if it's a good, nice installment, you know, how far should they be spaced out? Right? Yeah, I mean, Amulet One sells better today than it did when it started. A lot better. You oh know, wow! Now, mm-hmm. and it's just it's only inc- it's like only so so my my book has never been a zeitgeist book. I think you know, like one of those ones that just became the popular book. I was never. Right. I never really wanted to be that guy anyway, but it wasn't, it wasn't, Mm -hmm. the books just didn't um, hit in the way that a lot of others did. In fact, Amulet One did pretty poorly for years. It it took a while for it to catch on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, you know, uh, well, 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 there's, there's that, but I, I, I've been thinking a lot about how, you know, uh, the, the earliest readers that I've had are now having kids themselves now. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. You know, time, time, time continues to move on. Life happens 
you know, outside of what we do and our interests and, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, you, we might be engaged with something for a short while, but there's still somebody five years down the road that's about to be even more engaged in mm-hmm. what we're doing than, mm-hmm. than we were, or that our fans today are. And I feel like I learned from watching the comics industry, you know, the mainstream comics industry as, as we call it. Um, I felt like one of the reasons why I wasn't interested in being a part of it early on, um, was that, you know, I felt that our peers working in that industry were catering too much to the people who were there in that moment. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were trying so hard to hold on. They were so like scared to lose audience members that they didn't allow new ones to come in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were shutting out the kids you know, in favor right. of the older customers, right? when really a, a successful business and, and a, a healthy one would know that there's a cycle of life, mm-hmm. life moves on, and you have, to, you have to generate content for the next generation and have them want to hand that over, hand the keys over yeah. to somebody else instead of hold on to those things. And, and that's the thing that I, uh, you know, I, the, the reason why I didn't get into comics early on when I actually got, um, uh, I, I got asked to, to work on, um, on a bunch of, on some image books when mm-hmm. I was 16, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, gonna, I was gonna be like Joe mad, you right. know, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I want to be the next Joe mad. And I, I looked at what they were creating and I thought this is going to be over soon. Mm-hmm. Because my grandma, if I handed this over to my mom and my grandma, they'll be like, what are you doing? Yeah, what, <laughs> and I'd be like, I don't it? know. It's just like muscles, <laughs> muscles and guns, grandma. That's what everybody wants, apparently. <laughs> well, the, the other thing, too, that's the, the stark difference between, um, say, uh, uh, a Marvel book and maybe like something at Image or maybe what's happening in manga is like if a kid goes and sees Spider-Man... And they're like, oh, I want to read the comics. Like, where's <laughs> where's the Spider-Man graphic novel? What where, where do I start? And it's like, well, which version of Spider-Man do you want? You know, do, do you want to read the 1960s? You know, like, do we have access to that? And it's like, as opposed to something, say, like, you know, Invincible, even though that's not the same age range, I would say it's way yeah. more mature. But if you want to read Invincible, you go get issue number one. Yeah. And you read until the end of it and that's the invincible story and yeah. and and same with manga if you want to read bakuman you know it's not like all over the place you don't have to piece it together you just go get the book first book and and yeah and it, right and that, that i think that's all all due to whether or not the book is corporately controlled or mm-hmm. creatively creator controlled mm-hmm. you know and you just mentioned uh, robert kirkman's work which is creator controlled you know right. uh, yeah. if, and that's one thing that's great about image and why i liked working with them when we did is that they did honor um that it, it's that the the works and the projects are in the creator's hands mm-hmm. now that also means that you have to sell the book too. <laughs> right. Well, that's what you I was going to ask about for the early amulet. You said that it didn't really have a lot of traction early on, but you've done so many of them. So was the publisher on board, even though sales weren't skyrocketing right out of the gate and, and they knew 100%. the story was strong. Oh, 100%. Awesome. Scholastic is the, like, it was actually David Saylor in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah who reminded me at the very start, knowing that I wasn't making money on Amulet, if if I didn't have movie deals coming in for Amulet, if I wasn't working for like Disney, Google, and different places for my my contract work, I really couldn't keep the lights on 
you know, uh, honestly, just because I was I was having to spend all the money to make the books because I was hiring people to just try to get these things done super quick. Uh, so I was losing money, just straight up losing money for years, for maybe three or four or five years, you know, mm-hmm. just investing in Amulet. I don't think I made money until Amulet 5, if you want to know the truth. Wow. That's how long it took. But I found a way, you know, and and David Saylor was always, you know, he had my back. Mm-hmm. And he'd always tell me like, you know, when Joe started and he would be talking about JK Rowling said when Joe started, you know, we, we went to this one signing where nobody showed up. That was my first signing. And I was there with David and he mm-hmm. said, this was the same, it was the same with Joe. And he said mm-hmm. that it's just going to take time Kazu, and people are going to, it's going to take time for the people to understand what you're doing and see it. And, um, and he was and I, to hear that from the person that's publishing it. Mm-hmm meant the world to me that meant yeah. like I can trust this group and I could trust David and David trusted me. Mm-hmm. And so even when the books weren't selling incredibly well in his mind, he would, he'll tell you if you were, he was on here right now, he would say, Oh, cause is full of, full of it. He, the books <laughs> were doing really well all along, but I think, you know, for me, I just had to make sure like I could pay bills, you know, mm-hmm. and that wasn't happening <laughs> at the mm-hmm. time. So, um, so like maybe the books did well, you know, compared to a random book, like it was mm-hmm. selling books. So it wasn't like a failure, but for me, like seeing negative m- money was a very difficult thing to do for, you know, a good half a decade. <laughs> right. you know? Um, and so, um, uh, yeah, it was really, it was like the, the, the forest from the trees viewpoint that David mm-hmm. Saylor had his, his vision is a lot, has a lot to do with why we have graphic novels where it is right now. And, you know, he mm-hmm. was, he and Judy had the mm-hmm. vision and I came in alongside them and mm-hmm. teamed up with them. And I think that all of us had this vision to see this very successful graphic novel industry. And in mm-hmm. fact, it would have been so easy to see it if you just went to Japan mm-hmm. and right. then came back and then just go there, look at it and then come back here and go, why Right. Why are you guys not doing that? <laughs> you know, so it was it was it was very easy to stay on board. Yeah. I don't what, want to what segue, do you... segue too much. Let me just ask this question because I'm just Yeah, no, no, just segue right to anything. Just we're what, was David Taylor, was was that your <laughs> your um entry point to doing the Harry Potter series and tell me a little bit about that because it seems just so out of left field and then i started seeing your work and i was like oh my god it's beautiful <laughs> but how did that happen and yeah. that's, that's that is funny right because like yeah, lee you, you i always thought of you as the cover guy you did the co- illustrated illustrated covers right. I, I don't do those you know you know that i don't i don't take those on you know and, and honestly i just didn't take on any contract gigs at all at the time i was just not taking on anything because i have a i have a philosophy you know, it's, it's, you do what you do. So even, you know, no matter what, like, if you decide to like run, start running down any track, it's going to be part of your tracks. It's going to be part of who you are. And if I started doing illustrated covers, then that was going to be part of my line of work, you know, (laughs) and and I had Mm -hmm. to, and and so I was saying no to almost everything. Um, the, the, yeah. So David Saylor was the one who came to me, um, to ask me about the Harry Potter covers. And this is, this is after they had already tried, um, bringing in multiple artists and designers in New York City to to come in and assemble, uh, 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 you know, a, a potential 15th anniversary edition, 
you know, set mm-hmm. of books. And I, I, I presumed that they were not happy with what was coming in and they just didn't, nobody could agree on anything. So David on like kind of an, uh, like kind of a, you know, just, just why not situation. He, he said, he saw my post, my flight volume three poster on his wall. Mm-hmm. And he said, why aren't we asking Kazu? <laughs> um, so he sent me an email and said, would you like to give it a shot? And I said, sure. You know, it's <laughs> fully expecting not to get it. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, and I just thought about all of the, all of the freelance projects. This is, this is probably good for your podcast uh, listeners. Actually, I thought a lot about my old uh, freelance gigs. I, I, I've worked for so many, like I had this huge list of clients that nobody knows about, <laughs> but the, the, like back in the day when I used to do client work, you know, I thought about those days again and I thought like, okay, well, what does a client want? Well, the client mm-hmm. really wants to be involved. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I only did like, I, I only spent five minutes per, per il, for cover mm-hmm. on my, on my initial run. So I would do five minute covers only mm-hmm. and just, just keep it at that. It, whatever I can get in five minutes, that's what I was going to send them. Mm-hmm. And I sent them um, a set of, you know, all of them. Mm-hmm. Like I did, I did a set and it was all rough. And then uh, they looked at it and said, well, we like this one in that set. Can you do all of them like this one? And that was um, mm-hmm. uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. And it was it was exactly, it's pretty much exactly as my five-minute sketch was. It's It was like the easiest one for me to do because I knew that scene. I just knew that it had to be the scene. It had right. to, it's, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the scene on the lake, you know. It, it's like the most important scene, I think, in all of Harry Potter. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, without giving spoilers as to why, but, um, so I, I did that and I did all of them kind of around that design. And, um, and then I went into a coma mm. when that's <laughs> when I had, uh, when I had bacterial meningitis right, and yeah. I, that I was, freaked me out by the way. Wait, I don't know about this part. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was uh, expired steroids or something. I think I broke my hand playing basketball and uh, I was, uh, you know, I had gotten it treated and like I had to reset and stuff. And I think I started getting sick all of a sudden around that time. And um, just the worst headache in the world. And um, uh, yeah, and I was starting to just like bounce off of wall, like just walk into walls. I was just not in control of my body and mind. And, uh, you know, sent me to the, I, I went to the ER once and they said, ah, he's just got an ear infection or something, sent me home. The, and then later on that night, I was in an ambulance going to another hospital. And then they said, oh, they, we've seen this before. Somebody just died like a couple of days ago um, with the same thing. And they said, we don't need to check. We just need to just treat it. And so they put me in a coma and then, um, you know, I was on a spinal tap and, um, I woke up about a week later, <laughs> about 50 or 60 pounds, like lighter. Did you uh, know what was happening at this point or were you just kind of totally out of it? I was pretty out of it. I do remember little bits. I remember coming back to life. Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt like I died. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I, that whole experience was a real life changing thing um, because it did feel like I had a choice. Like I felt like everything's slipping away and it was very peaceful. I, I, I told this to a few people too. Um, like I, I just felt like, Oh, it's, this is it. It's over. <laughs> and uh, like, it was like, like every the whole world started doing the, you know, you've seen interstellar, 
You know, yeah. like that whole accordion world thing. Right. That yeah. was actually happening in my brain. I don't know. Whoever did the research for that, you know, mm-hmm. I think they did a pretty good job about what inner space is like <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because that's what it felt like. My the hospital walls were moving, everything was moving, and I just felt like I was going away. And I remember thinking in the middle of it, because Amy was pregnant with Sophie at the time, and mm-hmm. I never met Sophie. And I was like, I never met my daughter, man. I got to come back. <laughs> and I remember like, okay, wake up, man, wake up. <laughs> oh, wow. So it was and, a like, conscious choice. Like you're it pushing, was a conscious like, choice. Back. And it was like, that was the hardest part was actually waking up. Like it mm. was painful. Like my brain, like the whole, like, it, I think it just, I felt like I was being born. I imagine that's what it's like to be born when mm-hmm. you're a baby. It's probably like just the worst trip. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just showing up like, what is this? Yeah. What, am, what is happening? <laughs> and that's kind of what happened to me. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember waking up. It was on the 4th of, it was on the 4th of July because the fireworks were going off in the, in the window. And that's when I knew I was back. I was like, oh, there's lights coming through the, I think that's fireworks. I think, I think mm-hmm. I'm back. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah. And then I couldn't walk for a while. I had to learn how to walk again. Uh, I didn't know, I didn't recognize Amy or my family or friends, but she wasn't worried because she knew that, uh, the doctors had told her that this was going to happen. Um, I didn't recognize our house or, so you, you came, know. so you yeah. came back and you're just like blank in a wheelchair. Slate. You're a blank slate. Basically when you wake up, you're just sort of, sort of like that classic amnesia. Sort patient, of like, right? I, I, I had a sense of who I was but I don't, I didn't remember what had happened in my life. <laughs> and I, I think for a while there afterwards too, there was still like, you had a hard time remembering things. Oh, I like, still have a hard time remembering like things. Like short yeah. term. Cause I remember still. we were in Seattle at um, Emerald city and it's mm-hmm. like, you forgot where you parked. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. well, let's, let's start looking at all the garages and, and yeah. figure it out. And, yeah. and we eventually found it and it was like, Oh no yeah. Deal. Oh so. man. Like when I put my keys down somewhere, I get so worried <laughs> when I put something down and I go, uh, I take shouldn't a picture do this. Of it. I, sh- I should not. Yeah. I got to take a picture. I take a picture of my car whenever I park it now. Not, mm. not like, not like when I go to the grocery store, but right. if I'm like, if I'm dropping it off at the airport or something like that, you know, before yeah. my memory used to be so razor sharp mm-hmm. that it used to intimidate people. Mm-hmm. Because I would remember all our conversations and stuff like that. So people right. would get nervous. Um, yeah. So Amy says that now that I, I'm not like that and I forget everything, <laughs> that, that I'm nicer. Yeah, you're cooler to be around. You're not. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. That. Everyone just like, you know, causes causes chill now. He's just he's over there in the corner. <laughs> he's like just... an old man. <laughs> so yeah. I don't. I don't. Have mind. you I can't leveraged? Tell. There's. Oh my god. There's so many questions I have now. Sorry, Jake. I'm but, just gonna have to. Well, yeah, I, we can I go where, whatever along, you, along that you track, go, though. <laughs> you going back to the Harry Potter covers? I don't want to lose yeah. that thread. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, I did the I did the sketches and stuff, and then uh, and then I was in a coma, and when I came out of it, um, I I got, I got an email, um, you know, from David, and mm-hmm. and uh, when I was this like first day back in the office, I was looking through all my emails, and. Um, and I saw this thing, an email come in and said, Hey, congrats. You know, we chose, we decided we want you to do the covers, the Harry Potter covers. <laughs> and I was like, Wait, what? I can draw? What? Harry I was like, What? <laughs> I, turned, I turned to Who's Jason. Harry Potter? 
I turned to Jason. I was like, what is this they're telling me about these Harry Potter covers, man? Like I, I, I apparently am doing the Harry Potter covers. And I remember he, he had this, like, he just looked like he saw a ghost. Like, <laughs> he's like, Oh shoot. He's just like, I'm wor- I'm, I'm working for a vegetable. Um, and at the same time, like, yeah, like, you know, now I was doing the covers and that was, you know, really the best thing to have happened at that time. And, and I almost feel like it was like a gift from David Saylor, you know, like he's mm. been like my biggest, he's my Dumbledore, you know, he's my, yeah. he's been, he's been there. He and Judy Hansen are like really the reason I'm standing here still doing this, all this. And mm-hmm. they're, they're just, they're, they've just been the the most amazing professors and guides, you know, like you could possibly imagine having. And, and so in a way, like, well, what happened was with the Harry Potter covers, they became like cognitive therapy for me. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't write at the time. Like I, my brain just couldn't, like I, if I wrote down a sentence, it would just be forgotten in five minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I knew that was temporary, but it meant that I couldn't write my book. So I had to put Amulet 6 on hold while that was going on. Um, and in fact, you know, people will, you know, they bag on me online and stuff for taking extra long on my books, but there's, there's wow. actually a physical reason, <laughs> right? You guys, like I have half the brain I used to, <laughs> so you're going to get half the speed. I mean, it's still the <laughs> same quality. It's just a little mm-hmm. slower, you know, Yeah, I'm just older in my mind. So, um, but I mean, still getting it done. Um, but yeah, uh, doing the Harry Potter covers allowed me to just read the books like, and I did remember Harry Potter, you know, so I just, I would read, you know, read through passages again. And then, and then based on those memories, I would, you know, form these illustrations and, and drawing is fun for me. It's like, that's, that's a gift, you know, to be able to do mm-hmm. that. Um, that's not really where the work is at. I mean, it's, it's physical work, but I think a lot of the mental work of being an author is really figuring out what, what stories you know, the world kind of wants or needs from you. And that that's, that's stressful. That's a very difficult process. That's a whole nother conversation, but illustrations always just been a joy, you know? So mm-hmm. just to be able to do fan art right. of Harry Potter, that's essentially what I got to do, but it wasn't like even fan art. Cause I was, it was so official. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's, what, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Like, once, once you do something like that series, I mean, it's such an iconic yeah. There, there's all of publishing and then there's Harry Potter and this, yeah. in, in my opinion. <laughs> and then, yeah. so was your career, you know, you talked about once you pick a path, then, then, you know, everybody's going to want you for the things that you do. Right. And so you do these covers and it's not only any covers, but it's the Harry Potter covers. And so now does that change your, uh, your reputation in publishing? Does it change your, the jobs you're getting offered? Does it change what you want to do at all? No, not at all. So I, I, I just turned down everything after that. I was getting asked to do things like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. I was like, no, I was like, <laughs> I, I was being asked to do, I was to, seriously, I was being asked to do everything under the sun. And my, you know, Judy knows what I, my focus is, you know, my focus is I'm not, I'm not here for doing illustration gig work. I actually didn't care how much they paid me, honestly, uh, for Harry Potter. It was, it was a decent amount, but it's not, you know, it's, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm into creating, my stories and, and, and creating my worlds and those things, they, they, they maintain equity. They, they, they exist, you know, beyond, you know, they, they, they continue to live beyond the work that I do. 
you know, if I just do the illustrations, that's just jobs, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? So I don't, I mean, maybe, maybe not for you. Maybe you have some good deals going on, but I didn't ask for royalties from Harry Potter. I just didn't feel like I have, I have this, I have a philosophy and that is you do what you do. And once you start becoming somebody who does that for a living, then you are making that conscious choice and, Mm -hmm. uh, and you're going to run that path. You know, it's like another choice I'm going to have to make very soon is, um, is movies, you know, you know, how much, how much do I want to be involved in that? And how much do I want to go back to doing that? Because that's what I used to do. And, um, you know, I've been having to think about it a lot lately, um, as we, you know, potentially start working on amulet movies, which I can't talk to you guys about too much. The way that you answer that's interesting because, you know, we've been doing these interviews for a little while now. And it's the one common thread sort of that I've seen through we're interviewing obviously successful people. And Mm -hmm. the one common thread is that they, they know who they are and what, and who they're not. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what you're saying there is like, yeah, I can do all this stuff, but that's not who I am. And then it benefits you in the long run, even though I know our listeners are probably like, Oh my God, I want to illustrate Lord (laughs) of the Rings and all this stuff. Uh, if you deviate from that, that kind of truth, your own personal path, then, um, you know, it might be short-term gain, but it's, and we're in this for the, we're in this for the long term, right? I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a marathon yeah. sort of. Well, the hardest decision I ever had to make was, um, walking away from directing the bone movie. Mm. And, and that was something that I had talked to Jeff uh, Smith and Bajaya Iyer about, mm-hmm. um, early on, they approached me about doing it and I was honored because it was a project I had on my radar. I wanted to be that director. I wanted to direct like live action versions of bone, like, mm-hmm. and not, or like an animated version of bone, but I also wanted to do like a live action version of Nausicaa. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that nice. was always like oh, a kind of gosh. a dream. That was like kind of a dream of mine, but, at the, but you know, those were like my dream projects in college and to have it in front of me, you know, working with, with, um, cartoon books, you know, to, to develop this with, uh, with, along with James Baxter, um, and our, our friend Hamid, who ended up being a producer on Game of Thrones, he was going to produce and Baxter was going to animate and I was going to direct. And we were looking at it and I started writing the treatment and stuff. Um, and I had a long talk with Amy about it. And I said, you know, the reason I'm making Amulet is because I felt more there needed to be more books like Bone. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I revere Bone, but at the same time, I felt like it was more important to have more Bone books mm-hmm. than bone movies even though you know like a bone movie is going to be awesome it's going to get people interested in, in the books yeah. and I, I i can't wait to see it when they finally make it but i just felt like we needed more graphic novels this was the time in in our history where mm-hmm. it was important this door was opening jeff opened that door like he opened mm-hmm. he, he 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 put a foot right there and it's mm-hmm. a very small small crack that we had <laughs> mm-hmm. to like to create this new mainstream for comics and you know and bone was really the one that like opened that door. And then it was Raina who was probably the first to walk through that door, you know, mm-hmm. with the babysitter's club and smile. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I was right there alongside Raina, like kind of like right after her, you know, I just knew that something had to be there, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's what I, I actually had to, so I had to quit working on Daisy Cutter. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the series I was working on at the time. And I had to stop working on a bone movie. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a conscious effort to work on a project that wasn't making me any money. Mm-hmm. And that was Amulet, you know, mm-hmm. I had just, but I've done that before a few times in my life. I just knew that it would work out if you had a, 
a vision for it and you can mm-hmm. see you can you can see how it would be more successful than all the other things mm-hmm. but you know and if it's not a little risky it's probably not going to it's not going to be very successful you know mm-hmm. it has to there has to be a story to it you know there has to be this feeling like you're on the ropes or something you know you got to it's like a sport like a good game isn't a good, it's not a good game if you're blowing out the competition, you know, it's always about like, you know, like it's, it's like a a highly competitive thing and you just get over the edge, you know, and, and, and claim victory. Um, And, and I think that's the same with all these projects. They always have to kind of feel like you're on that edge or else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like the difference between Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like Lord of the Rings, those people were making those movies as if, as if like, if they didn't, they'll die. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can right. feel it. They're just, And they love it too. They're like in it. They're like, we're going to do this thing and it's going to be amazing. And if we don't do this, we're going to die. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then when you watch The Hobbit, you're like, we did this before. Here yeah. we do it again. Let's just do it again. And they're like, I'm tired. Why are we doing this again? It's crazy. And then so then that, that vibe isn't the same, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think like when you're doing projects and things, you've got to have that, that drive. It's, there's got to some, there's something's got to be, there's got to be a little bit of fire to it, you mm-hmm. know? And when you write and stuff, and that's part of like why we even moved here. It was like, it's just like right in the middle of production at the end of, you know, Amulet. And here I am just like, just like <laughs> packing it up, you know, and moving to a whole nother state. Um, but yeah. a lot of it's just driven by our kids, like, you know, where I want, where we want our kids to be. And every, every day that they lose of their childhood is just huge. So I, you know, we wanted them to, to be, you know, in a place where we felt um, would best serve them. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, as far as, um, yeah, uh, just like any of these projects, it's, you, you kind of just have to stick with a vision, um, you know, and it seems, yeah. if it seems risky to everybody, but not to you, you're in a really good spot. Right. You yeah. mentioned um, earlier, Jason, uh, can you yeah. tell me about that collab collaboration? Like you two have been uh, working together, you know, him as your assistant for how long? Yeah. I, I sort of adopted Jason from um, Ray Goto at uh, Savannah college of art and design, you know um, the professors there really like Jason a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and I think they, they asked me to kind of give him a hand and help him out. And he seemed like a really talented kid. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he was obviously, um, he had a lot of potential. Um, he, he's, he's, a, he's, he had tremendous skill. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was just, it just wasn't coming together for him mm-hmm. until he started working for me, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, he was our first, um, he was our second actually full-time employee, Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Wu, uh, who, um, has, has done like some fantastic work for the Voltron series and everything yeah. now. Um, yeah, he, he, he was my, our first, uh, full-time assistant. Jason came on, on board and, um, you know, just kind of wrote it out for a long, long time. I expected him to leave a long time ago, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> um, and, and now like we're at the end of the series and I, I, we, I told him like, you know, I, I gave him a huge severance package and a huge bonus and everything. And I just said like, you don't have to worry about the end of this book. I'm actually coloring the last third of Amulet oh, and, wow. uh, you know, cause I just want it to be me. 
mm-hmm. just I, I know how to color. It's you know it's part of the expression of it, and and he did a fantastic job uh, of like getting the first hundred and fifty pages or so um, of this book, and it looks really great. But mm-hmm. um, but I, I just knew there wasn't much left for him to do, so mm-hmm. I wanted him to work on his uh, his own series. So right now he's uh, a free agent, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's going to be <laughs> hopefully doing his book. But uh, you know you got to light a fire underneath some butts. And yeah. looks like uh, that's uh, hopefully that was the right one for him, and um, and he'll he'll hopefully be a fantastic author that you'll have on the podcast at some point, you know. But absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But he's he's super talented, as you know. You know, mm-hmm. Jason. Um, you know, he just uh, he, he 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 did a he did a fantastic job. He just needs the confidence in himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think just me being hovering over him as his boss was not going to help that. So. You know, right. I, I think I think it's time for him to. It, it, the field is so open right now, mm-hmm. and the opportunities have never been better right. for somebody with his talent and skill to do a book. Um, I was looking at that, and I just thought this is the time to push him out into off the, out of the nest, and he's got to ride those waves. It reminds me of that saying, like the, the sapling can't grow in the shade of the you know the the, <laughs> the big oak tree, right? Like yeah, it has to what, go out from under that shade. I actually just. Happening. Yeah, I talked to him last week actually on the phone. Oh, hey, nice. Yeah, because he was like, "Hey, I'm I'm kind of on my own now. I just I, I need some advice." And and uh, <laughs> oh, and uh, I was like, "Absolutely, like you're you're gonna kill it." He's such a talent, and he's got I know. vision and yeah, and everything. Exactly. He just it's just people are that, gonna get a lot out of what you just said. That that the field is really open right now. I. I we talk mm-hmm. about that a lot, um, me, Jake, and Will, that I, at least for me, I've never seen it so, oh, I mean, they're accepting of different genres, different styles, crossing styles and crossing genres. And there's so many ways to get work out there now, as opposed to when we were all getting started, you kind of had to go a little bit traditional. I mean, I think we it was kind of modifying at the early 2000s, but now yeah. I mean, there's so many places to go. And then, you know, talking about what you were just saying, that, that there's no guarantee and i think people want to know for sure like a lot of students when they're starting out or young professionals that it just they know a hundred percent and what you're saying is there's a ton of opportunity and it's not going to feel guaranteed um if it feels guaranteed you're probably doing it wrong right Mm -hmm. (laughs) no seriously like yes it's usually that's when i feel like the ground's going to fall out from under me Mm -hmm. if everything's working out like exactly as you could plan it Right. I don't know. Gotta, there's there's something there's my spidey sense usually tells me you got to be careful. Something's yeah, off. You're, you're doing something that's been seen before. Uh, chances yeah. are. Or... Well, it's just better to be like kind of always on your toes and be prepared to, you know, to like adapt and, you know, to, to, to change your way of thinking and stuff. Like, you know, it, it's like, um, I, I think sometimes about like filmmakers like Wong Kar Wai when he was doing Ashes of Time. And um, and during that time, I think he was having a terrible time making this big epic action thing with like, you know, it was like one of those big wushu epics, you know? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, I think he just needed a break and he ended up just shooting Chunking Express in a market when mm-hmm. like on his break time. And then that became the film that made all the money and like all the acclaim. And, <laughs> you know, it was the little movie, but the big movie was like kind of considered laborious and kind of boring mm-hmm. and, and not so great. You know, I think that that there's that says something about the creative process. You know, that you kind of want to be like a fluttering bird and not like this tank 
right. <laughs> trying to protect, you know, like this turtle in tank that's protecting an idea, you know, mm-hmm. like that's not going to inspire people. <laughs> right. Right. You know, so, so I think you have to live that way too. And, you know, that's part of like, like everyone was like, what you're moving Texas, like right at the end of your, your book. What do you want? Just finish your stuff. <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, you know, time is of the essence guys. Just, you got to just uh-huh. go do the thing. And, um, and then amulet, like it's also about finding a home and stuff and deciding where to be. So if we're, if we're in a state of like, like not knowing like where we're going to, like we're in the transition period of some kind, Mm -hmm. then it's going to affect the writing of the book. So one of the reasons why we decided to wrap up early and move here earlier than we thought we were going to, to, to move was actually for the, for the writing process of amulet. It was to protect Mm -hmm. the book. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, otherwise, like I would just write a worse book mm-hmm. if I waited. So, yeah, it's not convenient. Life is just not convenient, and you're going to have to learn to live with it. Mm-hmm. And um, the people who are best at dealing with the fire when it's mm-hmm. in front of you um, and you can like turn it into magic, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, are the people who are going to do the best in, in 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 life in general. So, so there's, there's no like perfect setup, no perfect situation to you don't make want the that. thing that you're going to, that you want to make. Right. You don't want it. Right. Like whenever I had a perfect setup, I just felt like it was a trap. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a great way I to, to I, I wanted to ask you to, so Amulet sort of, it, it, you said it, it, it was timed right with Iron Man. It's sort of the MCU. Like yeah. that also is, I would say like, the time where we see the, the 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 spark and then the entire forest fire of social media <laughs> taking oh, yeah. over the world, right? <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. noticed uh, these years that you've been like conspicuously absent on social media. <laughs> I just want to know, like, and until recently, I kind of see you on Twitter and I, I kind of see you on Instagram from time to time. But w- what went into the, that thought? Like, why avoid it? Um, well, I, I use social media, but you know, I, I, you know, you pay for everything that you, mm-hmm. you do, you know, and if someone isn't charging you money, then they're paying money off of you somehow. So <laughs> I'm just not into, you know, helping corporations make money just cause you know, I'm bored or I'm <laughs> nervous or something <laughs> or I need somebody's feedback. No, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm on social media for the, um, um, for the network of teachers and librarians that are on there. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I run my social media. I, I'm not absent. I actually post like these days I've been absent, maybe the last several weeks, but I'm usually posting every week, a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always something classroom related. It's like if I was coming into a PTA meeting or teacher's conference room and you know, I'm, I got my donuts and mm-hmm. I have my copies of amulet, you know, or like some news that might be relate like related to what they'd be excited about. I'll mm-hmm. bring it into that forum. And that's the way I've treated it. And mm-hmm. that's like my follower, my, the, the, the following list is like that too. They're just mm-hmm. mostly teachers and things like that. I don't really, you know, I don't read it for the anxiety Right, right. right. (laughs) You know, uh, I don't feel like I need that in my life. So I don't, I don't know. I think it's just important to, to, to separate the two. I I got into a little too much, I think, years ago. And, you know, I was just like fighting people online sometimes. And I was like, what am I, what is this? Yeah. What is going on? You know, like, I don't think these people would ever pick a fight with me in real life, Mm -hmm. but they just have the social media courage 
to do it through anonymity. Right. Like, but in real life, they'd probably not even, you know, say a word, you know? So mm-hmm. it's not real. Mm-hmm. That world is not real. Like mm-hmm. uh, all those fires that you see on there, they're not real, mm-hmm. but you can, but you can find what's going on with people when they have problems. You can probably find out about that by reading social media. Mm-hmm. Cause there are a lot, a lot of times people who are in trouble, will, will, uh, broadcast it. Mm-hmm. So I, I sort of see it as a thermometer for mental health mm-hmm. and, uh, I know, but I don't really look at it as a, like a, you know, propagating my stuff type of tool, <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, you could use it, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it has helped for, so for, for, uh, book signings. I'll say mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. like there've been signings where it was clear no one was going to show up. And I just went on social media, said, I'm going to be here in like 30 minutes. You know, you guys want to mm-hmm. come by. And every single time I did that, at least like two or three families would show up because of it. Mm. Yeah. What's, what's the situation with the book signings and stuff right now? Are you, you have any on tap or is it, is that over right now? No, it's always been going on. Yeah. I'm doing school visits like constantly, uh, like actual in-person stuff right now with, um, with I would, COVID. yeah, I'm starting to set up stuff right now. Um, but we haven't, uh, no, it's always, it's been virtual mostly, but I've been doing books in store book signings, you know, um, you know, you know, even with COVID and stuff, I, I've been in the stores, um, uh, especially at my friend, uh, Dan Olam's, um, brick and mortar bookstore, uh, brick, brick and mortar books in Redmond. That's, that was like my home base in Washington mm-hmm. state, but it's like the best bookstore ever. You know, you guys should visit that and, you know, sign there if you can. Um, awesome. the Olams are a fantastic family. Uh, but, but yeah, I, um, yeah, I just keep kind of keep the books alive. Um, one of the things that I didn't want to do too, was like, like put too much energy in creating more content at the moment mm-hmm. because I I've got this, the movie stuff that will probably happen at some point. I kind of, and also I did want to see how perennial my books are before I moved on to my next series. Mm-hmm. Like how long do I need to babysit my books? Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. until they just, people just forget them. Are they going to forget them? Mm-hmm. They don't forget Dr. Seuss. They don't forget, you know, they don't forget Harry Potter. They don't forget JK right. Rowling. You know what I mean? Um, those are perennial, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I, I wanted to know, is amulet perennial? That was a big question in my mind. So I wasn't trying, because like, if I just kept elevating it and then, you know, everybody just kept advertising it and making it this big to do about it. I mean, you could do that for anything and it will sell, <laughs> you <Right>. know, <laughs> you know, so like, I, am I, am I a result of the hype or am I really here to stay? was a really big question I had before I moved on to the next thing I do, which I will be marketing a lot more than I do Amulet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it, I've been standing back and like just listening to people yell at me for being lazy or like not doing enough or whatever, you know? And I'm just kind of like slowly forming this book that I think they're going to think is amazing. But at the same time, you know, just listening to people call me George R. R. Martin, who I actually really appreciate for doing what he does, (laughs) you know, but I will say this to people too. Since, since his last book, I've done five. (laughs) So like, or something like three or four or five. I'm like, come on guys. I can't believe anybody would label, label you as being lazy. I mean, that's the, Oh man, I get it all the time. 
thing to me. If you look at the whole body of work and how consistent you've been, I just can't yeah. imagine lazy being the word. Disappointing. I would think, I would I've think heard prolific that, would be the word. No, I've heard a lot of like disappointing and lazy and and these are people that have have they written I think this it's just, huge series and <laughs> no, done no, these it's graphic okay. novels. Of I don't blame. Are. I think they just like the books. You know, they want they want more. You know, and you can never when you make something like that people really love. Like you, you can never make it fast enough. Right. Yeah. You're gonna get you a misery. Yeah. You're gonna get a misery. Uh, yeah. It's really that's gonna come after you. <laughs> it's usually just usually parents who are like having a hard, hard time with their own kids. Mm-hmm. And those kids like love the books and they're like asking really, you know, they're, it's, they're doing the whole Violet Beauregard thing yes. <laughs> and, 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 the, and those parents I want like, an book now. They, I want it now, daddy. I want it now. And then the daddy is like, you know, working at some major corporation is just has no time for Violet. And it's just like, where's my daughter's book, you <laughs> right. lazy bum. And I get the, I literally get the sweets. Like, like what I just said, like, like, why are you not? making my daughter happy and i I, I just don't answer them (laughs) sometimes i do i go hey look there's a new book coming out at this time they go oh thank you so much i can't believe you responded (laughs) i want to ask you about um copper going way back yeah yeah so what why do copper why did you do copper like what did that serve for you that was just for me yeah Mm -hmm. it was like um i drew the first copper after um i uh i left the field of architecture mm-hmm. uh i had like a really nice job in architecture as a graphic designer um 9-11 happened and um i was in the office and i think it's just the way i talk or something but people like i was the youngest person in the old office the whole thing and I was, I, th- I thought I was around a lot of like big grownups, you know, doing architecture and like business things and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when 9-11 hit, people were scared and they turned into children, everybody like from 50s, 60s, 70s, on like all the way down, everybody mm-hmm. was a child, like going, right. what are we, what's going on, you know? And it was just an odd couple of weeks where it felt like, you know, I was trying to figure my life out, but I had a whole lot of people looking to me like, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Like to me, you know, and I'm just like, I'm the, I'm like the most junior guy here. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what am I, how would I know? I don't know. And I, but I, but I put on airs, like I could tell them like, oh, let's calm down. It'll be fine. You know, blah, blah, blah. We'll do this. And, you know, don't worry. It'll be okay. It'll just, it'll, 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 you know, it'll resolve itself. And um, yeah, I had like a nervous breakdown after all that. Just, just too much stress. Mm-hmm. just didn't sleep for several days and i just so i ended up just quitting architecture and just was sitting in my parents house for a number of months just sitting just just went home mm-hmm. <laughs> you know after like i was supporting my mom and dad at the time with my job and everything and mm-hmm. i just couldn't handle all the stress anymore of like supporting my parents supporting all these corporate folks supporting just supporting everybody and i was in a terrible relationship at the time mm-hmm. and um i just and then that broke off as well so that was good and so i you know i just had to re reassess everything and try to find some kind of bearing you know i had to find like some kind of foundation again and mm-hmm. i drew a little sticker of a scared boy and a scared dog mm-hmm. and i thought this is what i feel like right now and uh 
I was like, Hey, look, I have the sticker thing. And then I had a friend call me and, or email me and said, Hey, Hey, um, uh, we got some, I've got a friend who has a, um, uh, Asian American magazine called yoke. And, uh, they're looking for some stuff to put in there. And, you know, I know your comics are good, so they can't pay you, but would you like to put a comic in there? And I said, sure. What kind of size do I have? And they said, you got a square this big. And I was like, okay. And that became the first copper comic, that black and white one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just drew a, a drawing of a boy being scared of mm-hmm. like seeing people's dreams turn into war. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was the concept. And then from there, I did a bunch kind of like that because the Iraq war was starting up around that time. And I was watching it like horrified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what are people doing? Why are they, what are they doing? Like, could you guys not see that this is a mistake? <laughs> right. Right. So this is a this is a disaster, you guys. And you know, it's like one mistake after another after another. And I know that now this is something that happens in our <laughs> our world. <laughs> like historically, it's like every 10 years, I'm like waiting, like what's what's the new big mistake <laughs> big that's thing. going to like create more mistakes? Mm-hmm. You know, and then um yeah, and so copper was a response to that because I felt like I had no voice, I had no 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 way to combat it. And so I put it online and then it's just garnered all this attention. And some two of the, of the first people that contacted me were Scott McLeod and Mm -hmm. Jonah Vasquez of all people, you know, like those Mm -hmm. two, like said, like, who are you? This is amazing. (laughs) We love (laughs) copper so much. And I started making friends um, from just that. And I, and I was looking at your site, Jake, Mm -hmm. agent 44 was like one of the ones I went to. I was like, this guy's great. Like I like his stuff and he's, it's positive and the art's great and became a huge fan. And I was like, you know what? I'll do a site. Like, like I remember it was you and Derek Kirk Kim, uh, Mm -hmm. that made me feel confident because I felt like I was at like a professional level, but Mm -hmm. then I thought putting it on the web just didn't feel that professional at the time because you just didn't see it. Yeah. Right. And so people would often like, even professionals would like, like kind of like talk it down uh-huh. like, Oh, that's not as good. Cause they're giving right. it away for free, you know, but I saw you doing your site. And then I saw, you know, uh, Derek Kirk Kim doing small stories online, mm-hmm. you know, and then people like Amy and, and this pants press gang and all these girls like doing amazing web comics. And, you know, Lee, you, you had a site too. I remember yours was up there and remember Tony D had a great site and, you know, Justin sweet and, you know, you know, all, all those guys. And so, I thought, well, well, that's BS that the web is like second, like second rate. Cause these are the right. top, these are the top <laughs> artists out there. Like Craig Mullins, come on. Yeah, like, we, all this- dove in, we all dove in at sort of the same time. And it was just yeah. weird that everybody's like, all right, let's do it. You know? Yeah. I was like, they're mm-hmm. doing it. I'll do it too. So I just put my stuff out there and then all these people started showing up and asking me like who I was. And then I got to be friends with, you know, like people like Jake and just the, our crew and, mm-hmm. and, and, and all that stuff that's happened. Lee, you were at, you were at art center when we started flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember we used, play, yeah. we used to play basketball. I, remember, yeah. I was telling Jake about that earlier. That, <laughs> that you, you are like, I remember we were first playing as Kang Lee and Chris. Uh-huh. Like, this whole crew really, yeah. really having fun. And but, but you know, we're all art students, so we're terrible at basketball, <laughs> except for you. And then I remember seeing you make a shot, and I was like, God, that was a really long shot. I, he, got really, he got really lucky, and then somebody passed you the ball again, and then he drained another one, and another one, and another. And I was like, Oh my God, he's, he's actually really, really good. <laughs> and me and Kang are running around. Not nobody passes us the ball ever. <laughs> 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 They're spastic, short kids. Oh, man. Um, 
But King Man. King is the life of the party, though. <laughs> yeah. Those are he good has, times. Th- there's nobody with more confidence than King Lee. Yeah, yeah. He can back it up, though. Yeah, he can. He can draw. <laughs> yeah, but he's so, yeah. he's he's the he's awesome. I love King. Yeah, that whole crew. Um, it's a good know, crew. All, all yeah. together at the same time, and then everybody kind of dove in and and just went all in for online stuff. And being the one common thread I see from that whole group um, of bad basketball players, except you, is that we're <laughs> all very entrepreneurial, very open yeah. to like, hey, what is this over here? Well, I'll just give it a go and see what happens. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll put this out there. I'll try it, even if there's no money involved, or even if it's a you know a loss leader kind of thing. And yeah. it ended up sort of working for everybody in its own way. Yeah, it was a good group. I mean, you know, and it included Ben Zhu as well, who started Gallery Nucleus, and yeah. you know, um, man, yeah. I mean, and then I guess Dan Santat was like kind of in the periphery yeah, as well. Was Dan was right out there, there doing his thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that art that art center class was um, really strong. Um, you know, did some did some really you know they they've gone on to do big things. Yeah, all over the Absolutely. place too. All kinds yeah. of different media, all kinds of different storytelling. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Like going back to copper, I kind of feel like that was your, like, it, how long did it go for? You did it for how many years? I actually did them recently. So it hasn't stopped. I don't okay. know if you know, you can go to my website and I just quietly no, I, put I, some up. I look, I'm look. i there right now. And I was like, wait, yeah, I didn't see there's this a, one. Yeah. There's a couple <laughs> of new ones. I, I yeah, I, I'll just put them up every now and then I, it's not for money or anything or mm-hmm. uh, views or clicks. So I just, if I feel like, you know, the world needs a copper comic, I'll put it out there. But I feel like early on though, it was sort of like training ground for you. Kind of. Like, yeah. Oh, mainly for coloring. Cause yeah. I didn't know how to color anything. I didn't go to call. I didn't go to art school. Mm-hmm. Um, and through college, I didn't do anything but bra- black and white work. It was just mm-hmm. ink and uh, Prismacolor with black, like black and white Prismacolor stuff. Um, I had never done color. And so, you know, who taught me to color was Kang. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I sat down, you know, and I was starting to work on Photoshop and then Kang just came over and he's, he said like, you know, I, I told him like, I don't know how to color anything. Can you show me? <laughs> he said, Oh no. He's like, no, dude, dude, like you're, you can color. And I go, what do you mean? I don't, I don't color anything. He's like, but you understand values. You understand black and white. It's all good. So just do the same thing, man. The color wheel. Wow. And that was your, <laughs> your four years of art right school. Yeah. And, I mean, I was one. just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But all you have to do is that, you know, you understand value, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, if you get light and dark, and then you get your, you know, you, you understand where you are and color on the color wheel. And then I would say I would add temperature is the, mm-hmm. is my biggest thing is like whether how, how hot, how cold you want to go um, mm-hmm. and how, you know, where you want to mix it. And, you know, you, you have those three things. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. And, and from then on, it should be about expression, not about technique, you know, um, because technique is subjective. So, um, you know, after that, like I was, I was good to go. And I started you know, like I, 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 the flight volume one cover, um, was actually the underpainting that, that illustration was done by Kang. So I did mm-hmm. the drawing, but mm-hmm. I didn't know how to use Photoshop with the, with like a, a tablet or anything yet. So, yeah. so Kang, Kang did the underpainting, but then when, um, we did the revised version, the red cover, yeah. that was me, that was me painting at that point. Mm-hmm. And so it was really neat to see like how much I had learned right. since the first yeah. time when we went back and redid it, I was like, Oh, now I know how to paint and stuff. And then I was doing the Harry Potter stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. I like that you're I, open I enough for asking for help. Cause I feel like a lot of times, 
um, people hold on too tightly to their own skill set and they can't ask for help. And they can, I've even had students where I come over and do like a little bit of an underpainting or something like that, just trying to help them out. And they're like, okay, I can't use that because that's yours. Oh, that's no, man. It, it, it happens so yeah. much more than you think it would. But, um, but yeah. I love that you and, and me and Jake and we'll do that all the time. We'll shoot each other a JPEG and we'll paint on top of it and send it back. And like, so it's, I just think it's important that people here like pros, don't, you know, there's always your skill set and there's always other skill sets that you can learn and, and that you're open enough to ask and then, uh, you know, have the benefit of having Kang be, you know, one of the greatest yeah. artists <laughs> of, of all time. time right <laughs> <laughs> he's just sitting there with like no shirt on in my, in my bedroom, just like painting, just, you know, cause he's like, he's like in Vietnam, you know, he's just like, Oh, it's hot in here, man. Yeah, <laughs> painting, painting in a corner and then just like making like a Michelangelo masterpiece. Um, I love, I and love I, hearing and I, about stuff like that. Yeah, but then I also it, it, remember Chris Applehans and Chris Applehans was there too. So both Chris and I would just watch King, and yeah. we both learned from him. He's um, awesome, but you know what's funny about that is that King and Chris came down and I went to Costa Rica right after Art Center for a little while, about six months, and Chris and Kang came down to Costa Rica, uh-huh. and uh, they were doing landscape paintings, and Kang was like, I can't. I can't do it. It's just like physically, you know, he's just such a digital master, but he was having, he was struggling so much. And I just was like, Oh God, he did. There's something that King isn't like perfect. At. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that and jump shots, right? <laughs> yeah. That's two things, two things. <laughs> I'm sure he's amazing in he, all of it now. Yeah. Yeah. He can just do anything he wants, man. That guy, <laughs> that guy's got quite a mind, but um, yeah. Cool. I, I mean, we could keep talking forever, but like we've been at it for over an hour now. So mm, I mm. maybe we save we 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 meet up with you next year sometime when the book comes out. Yeah, well, and, and, the, uh, and the movie stuff. I, w- I want to hear. I mean, there's a whole hour and a half, two hours, yeah. and just talking about yeah. what it means to take something to a movie. Yeah, and that that has that really hasn't started yet. So you know, and I can't talk about it too much. So it's you know that that's something that that will be an interesting journey. Uh, I'm just decide. I'm I'm not sure how much how involved I'm going to end up being. I think that's what I'm trying to decide right mm-hmm. now. Um, it's also you know why I, I I've scaled down our production. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. because i think i've already made that choice in my mind how much right. involved, how, how involved i'm going to be right. um but uh, yeah that should be interesting that'll be fun right. to hear about dude thanks yeah. for showing up man it's so fun catching up and seeing you yeah again. yeah yeah it's good to see it's you guys good yeah good. this yeah this big crazy move that's been going on and you know it's, it's nice to just like feel like I'm kind of back in back in the flow of things here. For sure. <laughs> well, just ch- chatting with you guys. Yeah. Let us know when you get settled and when uh, Amulet Nine comes out, and we'll we'll have you back on. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Yeah. Oh, we'll see you. See you later. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, Kazoo. That was cool. Yeah, He's such amazing, a cool guy. <laughs> amazing guy. What a story. The coma thing really threw me, and then and and his route to making all this work Mm -hmm. it's it's, it's fascinating right and it's it's a testament to like just sitting down and making stuff at your pace and not at the pace you think other people are you know should have it but like he's just doing it and at the end he's going to have what he wants and and it's not going to be rushed it's not going to be you know forced or anything like that so i don't know i thought that was pretty cool yeah. I mean, it makes me, it makes me have the, the, the thought, which I don't think I've ever had is that does the industry go at the pace 
that you allow it to. And is it nat- the natural pace is this like fast rushing thing and you feel like it's fast until you realize that you can con- actually control the pace of it. Yeah, and, I think and then you change it. Yeah, I think I mean your audience can age in and age out at the pace depending on the pace you're going, right? But at the end of the day when you have a full like library of books there, you know, of something you know, to do, like to read and to consume, a new person exposed to it is just going to, like, they're not going to buy one book. They're going to buy all the books, right? right. So it's like, it, I think you're, you're, he's wise in that he's created a perennial sort of seller because there's always going to be people aging into that level right. of, of graphic and they novel. Have so much content. It's so right. awesome. Makes me, it makes me uh, so jealous that I, I just don't have the, the staying power with one project because I've, just bouncing all over the place right? <laughs> to give people that, right. you know, nine volume. Right. And there's just so much more I wanted to go. I, we got to have them on again. There's yeah, other stuff. Sure. We, we didn't get into Daisy Cutter. We didn't get into, you, you don't know the story about his grandpa, grandfather and what he did um, for World War II. I believe that what it was fascinating stuff. Anyways. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Let's, I'll take us out. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Three Point Perspective is made possible by svslearn.com. We're becoming a great illustrator starts. Your hosts are Will Terry, Lee White, and I'm Jake Parker. Will Terry couldn't join us today. He is on assignment. However, you can find his work at willterry.com and at Instagram at willterryart. Lee White is at leewhiteillustration.com and on Instagram at leewhiteillo. And I'm over at mrjakeparker.com. You can find me at um, Instagram uh, at Jake Parker. Podcast produced by Daniel Tu. That's DanielTU.co to go to his website. Special thanks to Master of Production, David Bro, Keeper of the Curriculum, Austin Shirtliff, Chief Operations Officer, Lisa Fott, and a thank you to Lily Howell for our show notes. Now, go draw something.